0: Hello and welcome to the Canopy Boulder Cannabis Business Podcast, where we talk about the intersection of entrepreneurship and investing in the legal cannabis industry. Each week we'll give you our perspective on the latest news in the industry, bring you insightful interviews with entrepreneurs, investors, and industry pros, and also go deeper on topics like launching a business, building a team, pitching investors, and setting a fair valuation. Now why would we take on such a challenge? Well, since we launched our cannabis-focused business accelerator and venture fund in 2013, we've made over 110 investments into 90 companies in the legal cannabis industry. And we want to share our experiences and learnings with you. So join us every week as we take a deeper look into the legal cannabis industry and uncover the nuances and subtlety of starting up and investing in cannabis.
1: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Canopy Boulder Cannabis Business Podcast. I'm Celia Daly and today we are talking about that thing that everybody wants to talk about which is hemp and CBD. So um, to be fair, I recorded this interview um, with Cameron Field who is an attorney with Michael Best um, and he is a bit of a CBD hemp expert, legal expert on what's going on in terms of regulations. But I recorded this interview a couple weeks ago before the FDA hearing that took place on May 31st. So um, most of this is still totally relevant. There's a few parts in here where we talk about the hearing um, and obviously that has passed, but um, we really are still sort of a little bit in limbo. So not a whole lot has come out of that, that hearing um, heard testimony from different people in the industry on sort of uh, suggestions for regulation, but nothing has really been totally decided. So we're still uh, not totally sure what's gonna happen. However, um, it seems as though the way this is going to go is it's going to end up being sort of bifurcated. So we'll have the Epidiolex on one side um, as being sort of regulated as a um, sort of more highly regulated product. And then we'll also sort of have a different group of um, what I'm calling sort of nutraceuticals or supplements that would be separate. So everything that sort of falls underneath Epidiolex would be considered a supplement. And that will be regulated a little bit differently. Um, The only other update, I think, before we jump into this um, is Kroger actually just made an announcement that they are going to start carrying CBD products. Um, However, they are only carrying topicals, and they're only doing it in specific states. They'll only be carrying um, CBD products in specific states. But that's really a pretty big announcement because it really shows where traditional industry is thinking. And um, in general, topicals um, is a little bit safer, I think, than food. Um, and Cameron, as you're about to hear, cause I'm about to play this interview for you, we'll talk a little bit about what's interesting about food and, and why that's different and what those regulations look like. So, uh, stay tuned and I hope you learn a ton about hemp and CBD. Hello everybody. Today we are tackling that topic that everybody wants to talk about all the time again, um, which is hemp and CBD and the farm bill and uh, what all, what's going on in terms of regulations um, because I am not the expert on that topic. We've brought in Cameron Field um, who is an attorney who really sort of looks deeply into these regulations and how all of that works together. So Cameron, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and what your day-to-day life looks like.
2: Sure. My name's Cameron Field. I'm an associate attorney with Michael Besson Friedrich. We have three locations in Colorado, Broomfield, Boulder, and Denver. We're also in 13 cities around the country. I'm a regulatory attorney, so I got involved with the CBD general cannabis practice group uh, about eight months ago when the writing was on the wall with the 2018 Farm Bill coming to fruition that um, the products of hemp would no longer be a a controlled substance making it a lot easier to practice law in the space and so our firm has jumped in and provided a lot of support. Um, Our group out of Colorado has been serving the ancillary companies that support the um, other cannabis groups in Colorado for years and now we're able to represent uh, companies that are actually working in the hemp space and CBD space. So from a regulatory perspective I've been working with a lot of companies, um, both large and small. Uh, over time, we've seen smaller, smaller operators kind of dip their toe in the water first, and now with things that are getting uh, things are getting a little bit more legal in the space, you see larger companies wanting to get in as well. And the larger companies have a lot of questions on the legality of certain products in the space. And so I've been um, basically consulting in that area for a while from a legal perspective.
1: That's really helpful um i feel like that's a question we get a lot which is really why i wanted to dig into this this episode of the podcast um for our sort of listeners who are familiar with us we did do an episode around the farm bill and hemp and cbd right after the farm bill passed in december obviously just like everything in this industry things change super fast so that's why we kind of wanted to um come back revisit but I also didn't want to be doing it by myself, right? So we brought in an expert, and I just kind of want to – I'm going to pick Cameron's brain a little bit on what's happening in the space and what it means um, in particular kind of for cannabis businesses and hemp businesses. So um, let's start with the basics. What is the Farm Bill, and what does it do, and why does anybody care?
2: So, so the far, the Farm Bill is a piece of legislation that the U.S. Congress puts out and it basically addresses all sorts of things. Michael Pollan has always argued it should be called the food bill, but largely it looks at agricultural commodities, uh, insurance, lots of really boring things. I think this is the most anyone's talked about the farm bill (laughs) in a long time. Um, So what is really important about the 2018 farm bill, which was called the Agricultural Improvement Act, technically, uh, the biggest thing is that we had this watershed moment for the hemp industry the legislature removed hemp and hemp derivatives from being a controlled substance on the controlled substance list so regulatory authority shifted from DEA to USDA I like to say that the product was once viewed as something equivalent with cocaine and now it's viewed more equivalent with corn mm. so it's become just kind of an agricultural commodity um, equally uh, important as what it did do in terms of removing it from the controlled substances list is what it did not do and it did not change any regulatory authority of other institutions other than DEA that govern uh, hemp and hemp derivatives like CBD so that's where you have groups like USDA and FDA uh, coming up with potential regulations in the future and still asserting themselves in the space so just because it's been legalized as not being a federally controlled substance doesn't necessarily mean all certain products are legal because now they enter this realm of regulations in the U.S. instead of just being a a Wild West product as they have been in history.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think one of the questions that comes up a lot and that I I really wish I knew the answer to, um, and so hopefully you can answer this for us, is how does this affect states' that maybe have already legalized CBD and hemp products and maybe states that haven't. Um, does it does it legalize in those states? What, what issues are we running into around that?
2: Sure. So the, the federal government is operating under this system called cooperative federalism under the Trump administration. And that is where the federal government likes to come up with a framework of regulations and then let states implement things on their own. It's one of the reasons you still haven't seen any, like the U.S. Attorney General crackdown on any marijuanas in certain states. Uh, the EPA is doing this as well under the Clean Water Act. They're really just letting states run with things and the federal government is, imp- is approving them or not approving them. So under the Farm Bill, what it does is it takes this, um, the, that theory and it puts it forward and it allows states to come forward with their own programs to regulate hemp and hemp products and the cultivation of hemp. And we saw under actually the 2014 Farm Bill That's when this whole thing started, that we first started with research programs where states could come up with their own hemp cultivation programs and legalize that way. Um, 2018 expands that quite a bit, and what it does is it it mandates the USDA to come up with its own system of regulations, and it invites states to come up with their regulations and submit them to USDA for approval. So if a state doesn't come up with its own regulations, the USDA regulations would then by default apply there. So what we're going to see over the next year is um, likely sometime in the fall is the timeline we've seen from USDA. They're going to come out with their blanket form of regulations that kind of outline how you can cultivate hemp, um, how you can sell hemp, make sure it's sold across borders correctly. And then once they come out with their regulations, they're going to start um, approving different states' regulations. You already have states like Wyoming and Kentucky that were pretty early adopters that applied for approval, and USDA basically has said, you know, we're going to sit on these and just leave them on the desk until we come out with our own regulations. You're you're also likely going to see states that are less friendly to hemp, like South Dakota potentially, come forward and have their own program that might prohibit hemp Mm -hmm. in a more more regulated way than other states that are more friendly toward hemp and hemp products. So the Farm Bill also leaves it open for states to regulate it on their own um, in a more restrictive way than the federal government.
1: So, um, and I think you just mentioned it. When are we expecting those FDA regulations?
2: Th- those would be USDA regulations. USDA regulations. And they, they've signaled that they might be ready as soon as fall 2019. Okay. FDA is a whole other Pandora's box.
1: Okay. <laughs> I
2: think um, a lot of people know that the same day that the farm bill came out, FDA came out and said that uh, the placement of these products in food or beverages still falls under their regulations, and as far as they see it, that is illegal for three reasons. One, uh, hemp is, or CBD specifically, is a drug, and the addition of a drug to any food is illegal under the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. Two, um, uh, CBD or hemp is not uh, an approved food additive. And the, the third one is that it, it hasn't met the, the grass standard, generally recognized as safe. Okay. So if you add any sort of ingredient to food that hasn't met a grass standard or been approved as a food additive, Uh, it's illegal under the Food Drug and Cosmetic Act. So Mm -hmm. even if we see a change there, we still have this issue where it's an approved drug. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the FDA has inserted itself. And actually at the end of this month, May 31st, they're going to have a public hearing, and we're going to learn a lot more about the direction that they're going um, with their regulations. Okay.
1: And maybe this is a stupid question. I feel like this comes up a lot, too. Did the farm bill reschedule CBD?
2: It it removed it from being a schedule one substance. I'm not sure if it rescheduled it. It might have been rescheduled to a schedule four or schedule five. That's something I don't have on the top mm. of my head. That's okay. But it's it's no longer on par with the, the most restrictive controlled substances. Right, okay, great. I know a lot of states have um, like South Dakota and other states have actually rescheduled it from Schedule One to different different schedules which are still restrictive, but allow more flexibility for research. And purposes like that but doesn't allow a marketplace like it does in some states
1: sure okay um, so going back I think to the FDA a little bit we're, we're still waiting on their kind of guidance their regulations are they enforcing anything right now
2: FDA has made it their enforcement policy very clear so the ex-commissioner Gottlieb who just left he had some press conferences and released at least two memorandums from the time the farm bill came out to the time that he left the agency. And those memorandums and his testimony in front of the Senate match what we've seen from action from the agency, and that is that they're taking action on specific companies that make certain disease claims with their products. So the easiest way to understand a disease claim and what they're taking action on is they're concerned certain products might have a public health harm in terms of making somebody stop taking a medication or doing a treatment that they're already taking because a doctor told them to because a company peddling CBD or a CBD product says that um, that that, that product might be better for treating their specific disease. So they don't want somebody abandoning their chemotherapy or their Alzheimer's drugs in hopes that CBD is going to cure them and then end up um, having a decline in their health because they went off of that, that medication that they had.
1: So, general rule of thumb for hemp CBD companies in terms of their marketing their messaging don't claim you can do anything
2: yeah I think that the products right now sell themselves people people know what the benefits are you know whether they're true or not um, I think there's still a lot of science to come out behind Mm -hmm. it but we, we know for sure that there are certain benefits from clinical studies you know FDA has approved it as a drug to treat certain seizure disorders so there are definitely benefits but there's also of a lot of rogue science out there and claims that are floating around online and companies should be uh, you know very hesitant to kind of make any of their own claims when they're when they're pushing their products out in addition to so what we've actually seen from enforcement from fda is usually they start with a warning letter and so we've seen a lot of companies get these warning letters and they're essentially a seasoned assist they say stop marketing your product this way or stop putting your product on the shelf unless you're gonna change your marketing or your labeling. Mm -hmm. And then kind of the next most serious thing is we've seen some product seizures in some states from FDA. Um, I think in Arizona and California, some agents have gone into retail stores and taken products that are specifically food or beverage products. That's the ones that they've been targeting. So they walk into a store and ask, you know, what's supposed to be consumed here and has CBD in it and they'll take it out. Those are very rare instances Um, you know it's not when they do happen they make the headlines they're not happening very often most often we see the warning letters they have the authority to go a lot further they have the the authority to try to seek injunctions against companies Mm -hmm. try to seek forfeitures but they're not going that far right now and I think what they're not doing is just as important as what they are doing so I think it's it's a telltale sign that the agency is kind of slowly approaching this they formed a working group to think about it Um, yeah and where Where FDA isn't taking enforcement, you also see states stepping up to the plate and taking enforcement. So depending on what state you're in and even what county or city you're in, you could have different enforcement efforts. There's really this interesting tangle or tango, I guess, happening between legislatures, executives, and the executive agencies being both departments of health, departments of agriculture in states, and then you have law enforcement officers on the ground and as well as kind of the elected law enforcement officers like state prosecutors or attorney generals and then there's the public and everybody has their own view and kind of their own interpretation of what FDA is doing what the farm bill says. So I was in Austin uh, like about a month ago and everywhere there there there's a CBD store. It looks like it's totally legal but um, you know the laws are very in flux in Texas and if you go up to Dallas most of the stores there have been shut down because mm. the, the the prosecutor and the law enforcement have taken kind of a different approach to things. So it's, it's yeah. very different. New York State's generally pretty kind of cannabis and hemp friendly overall in terms of their law enforcement. But New York, New York State, I'm sorry, but New York City, their Department of Health has decided that under the FDA guidelines, they're going to shut down any sort of retail operation that's operating with food and beverages.
1: Um, you know, what? another topic I think is really interesting um, here in Colorado, there, is, there can be sometimes a bit of a kind of rebellious spirit. Um, I mean, Colorado has definitely led the way in cannabis. Now mushrooms are decriminalized Apparently. in Denver. So, um, yeah, that's, that's going to be fun. Um, but I guess I'm wondering what your thoughts are on sort of regulation. I feel like sometimes people really demonize regulation as, as really hurting industry. So I wonder if you have thoughts on, like, is this helpful to industry? Is this hurtful? You know, does this make it easier in the future does it make it more complicated? What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's a necessary hurdle and a necessary challenge for this industry to go mm-hmm. through. So, there's really no avoiding FDA regulation here. They have, they have jurisdiction over products that are added to food, they have regulation over dietary supplements, so sooner or later the industry is going to have to go through those growing pains. So they can only, you know, operate in the shadows for so long now that it's legalized um, we there it's going to be regulated and so I think re- with regulations it's going to be a giant boost for the industry overall because I think it's growing so fast and because it's regulated you're seeing a uh, great discrepancy in different products uh, people are you know kind of cutting corners in different production methods and certain people's health could be at risk because of that so I think with regulation you bring greater clarity and more education to the consumer base which will actually probably lead to an increase in demand over time, which will help the, the, the industry overall.
1: Absolutely. And um, just a little plug here, um, in Colorado, the regulators have been very interested in getting the opinions and the voice of industry people. So There's lots of working groups. Um, I know we've talked about it in the past on the podcast, but there's there's so many opportunities to sort of go in and have your voice heard um, and be part of the regulation making process. So if if you listeners are interested in this space um, and you wanna have a say, I highly suggest you do a little Google on how to join the conversation.
2: And I would also plug that right now we have a public comment period open for the FDA leading up to the May 31st public public hearing. And I think the comment period's open through June 10th and you can just send emails online what they're really looking for is data, scientific data, people's interpretations of dosage amount, what they're using certain products for. So it's really just a, a giant data gathering session, but anybody can write comments in. So people, especially people involved in the industry, should be sending in comments for that as well.
1: Absolutely. Okay, so we've talked about the FDA, we've talked about the USDA. What else are, who else is involved in this uh, process?
2: Well, since the, since the Farm Bill, you've seen a lot of government agencies sort, sort of jumping into the fray, putting out their own guidance. So um, TTB is the, the, the bureau underneath um, the U.S. Department of Treasury that regulates alcohol and tobacco products. They just put out a guidance, and they basically puppet exactly what the FDA says, and they say, you know, so, so basically for people that aren't familiar, if you're producing an alcohol product, that has an ingredient say say you're making beer and has anything other than like barley and hops and water and yeast you're putting other things in that you need to get your recipes approved through ttb so if you're adding something like uh, hemp. hemp for example <laughs> into your beer you're technically supposed to be able to get that uh, approved especially if you're going to be going through a distributor and shipping out of state lines it's very different than like your corner bar mm-hmm. putting a shot into your, your can of pbr or something but <laughs> Um, so, so they came out and said that they're not going to be approving any recipes based on FDA guidance that has any sort of hemp ingredient in it. Um, in a more positive tone, the Patent and Trade Office has come forward and said that they will now, as of December 20th, the date of the Farm Bill, start accepting patents and trademark applications for different items in the space. So there's been a lot of, they've historically been rejecting items because it's been a controlled substance. And so now they say, you know, basically if you're in the queue still with a patent or trademark for a technology or a brand in the space, uh, that you're going to probably have a a patent agent or a trademark agent reach out to you and say, "Let's, let's update your application to make it as of December 20th, because that's when it's no longer a controlled substance and we'll process those applications. The other interesting thing, which also shows kind of the future of the industry is Customs and Border Patrol. And some, we also have some case law through Customs and Border Patrol that shows that you can now legally import hemp in a specific way into the United States from different countries. There's kind of certain hoops you need to jump through and certain products, like products that are regulated by FDA and are technically legal, like food and beverage products, still aren't allowed to be brought in. but. Um, for instance, like a raw agricultural product from Europe or Canada could technically come through if it has the, the right certificates attached to it. And so that shows how this is, this is not just the U.S., like we're entering uh, a global economy. Mm-hmm. You know, Canada's legalized this for a while. There's developed markets throughout Europe, um, Australia as well. So we're, we're kind of entering and starting to see the beginning of a global economy for this, and that's going to shift things in the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What was what was the um, legality or uh, regulation before the farm bill? Because I feel like I've seen you know full hemp extracts on shelves or being sold and being told it was totally legal a year ago, two years ago, and it was all stuff that had been imported from Europe. Um, and so, my understanding was there's some kind of like, if it's imported, that's okay, but if it's grown here, it's not. Like, what were the regulations pre farm bill? Do you know?
2: Well, the main thing is it was still a controlled substance. Okay. So, it was still technically illegal to be purchasing and selling the product. It could be cultivated and grown if a state had a specific program. Um, so, technically, you could be buying it in certain ways if it was under a kind of a state approved research program. Mm-hmm. But those products weren't supposed to be leaving state borders. Um, but as we see in many areas, in many industries, kind of what the letter of the law says isn't what the market is doing or demanding. So yeah, people have had access to these products for a while. Yeah. And the, like right now, the, the market and the consumer demand is definitely driving everything and is kind of wagging the regulatory tail. And mm-hmm. you have FDA and other agencies that are basically playing catch up right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. Okay, so we've been over, I think all the regulations in the world, every organization <laughs> that has their hands in it. Um, what should we be paying attention to? I mean, obviously I think there's the FDA um, you know regulations, and everyone's kind of on the, the edge of their seat on what that's going to look like when that comes out, the USDA as well. Um, what else should we be sort of talking about, thinking about and paying attention to?
2: Some of the things I'm most excited to watch going forward into the next year, one of them is a little bit more unrelated to regulations and that's just how the economy is gonna shift for this. one thing the US does really well is take an agricultural commodity and produce the hell out of it until the price drops to the bottom. So a lot of people are getting into the space because um, CBD isolate, for example, was trading at $20,000 a kilo at the beginning of 2019 That price has dropped down to somewhere like the $5,000 range. So Mm -hmm. I was at NoCo Hemp Conference um, uh, about a month ago, and it was a really interesting dynamic there. You'd have a a small startup company that's selling tinctures of CBD oil, and right next to them, you would have a major agricultural company trying to sell people a $2,000 combine. So it just shows that the the industry is very quickly becoming industrialized, Mm -hmm. and I think we're going to see a lot of shifts in prices and a lot of shifts in the size of players that are jumping into the space so that's something that i'm very excited to see happen and kind of watch it grow
1: yeah i feel like hemp is kind of where cannabis was four or five years ago um, where it's like a little bit crazy a little bit all over the place and you still have all of these um you know small operators and in the in the field that haven't been totally run out yet by the big guys yeah, which i think is what we're start, starting to see in yeah. cannabis which is a bummer but um anything else that you are excited from, about well
2: from a regulatory perspective I'm ba- i think everybody's waiting to see what kind of clarity if any fda is going to bring to the table so excited about uh, what, what's happening at the end of the month but then there's basically a few paths forward to have this regulated you can either go through fda and under fda It could meet a grass standard, generally recognized as safe, and that's kind of where they they gather a bunch of data from scientists and see, you know, like, how is it out there in the field? Are people being impacted by this? Is this a safe ingredient? Or it could be approved as a food additive. That's usually a little bit more specific where you have like a a large food company approve a preservative or something. So I don't think that's necessarily the path it's going to take here. Um, And then there's also just the issue of it being a drug and the fact that a drug can't be added to a food, but you have, we have this enormous market already where everybody's showing demands for it to be in food, be in beverages, so hardly gonna handle that? Is it gonna be a question of the prescription strength? Uh, it's gonna stay prescrip- prescription strength, but if we wanna have supplements or food with this, it can be present legally at a lower dosage amount. I think there's a lot of really interesting questions that they're gonna have to ask themselves and ask the public as they go through that process. And there's always the chance, too, that it doesn't necessarily happen and that it stays outlawed and right. the industry is going to have to react differently. And we might see a shift toward it being more of a pharmaceutical product and not a nutraceutical product.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think this happened a while back with uh, like fish oil or something like that, where um, it was started being prescribed and used as a pharmaceutical. Um, which basically meant that now it was being classified as a drug, which meant people couldn't use it as a food. And so there was this whole thing about, um, you know, pharma kind of pushing out other types of businesses. And my understanding is sort of you set this like, okay, if the, uh, you know, recommended dosage of Epidiolex is, what, 1,500 milligrams? I don't know, it's something huge. Um, then anything that sort of falls underneath that is considered non-drug. Mm -hmm. Is sort of my understanding, but I think that starts to get a lot of people look
2: to fish oil as a potential example for what could happen in the future Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, also there's also a lot of interesting case law developments and kind of nerdy legal theories that I'm excited to watch play out So there's there's the idea of federal preemption which which generally is that what the federal government says preempts what states do but there's this interesting thing with the 2018 farm bill where it specifically says that the Farm Bill is not preempting state law, and state law can be more restrictive than what the Farm Bill says. So it, it tees up this future legal battle where you have states like Colorado, uh, where you can legally put CBD in food, um, but then the federal government says you can't. So like that—that's one example where Carl Jr. chose Denver to launch a, a burger with so some gross. CBD in it. <laughs> so, so you know, what what happens if the FDA? FDA agents rate Carl's Jr. next time it tries to do that. They say, hey, it's legal under the state law. We're not operating intrastate. We're, we're, we're just here in Denver. We're not crossing state borders. Yeah. But the federal government says, well, you know, you're not supposed to be doing this under our jurisdiction as well.
1: Do you, as a person who sort of studies regulation, does that... Is that exciting right the idea that this could become a thing that goes to court and then gets decided and that could be how definitely it, yeah, yeah. It,
2: it could be a lot of this a lot of the legal issues could be decided in the courts we already uh, have there's been at least two cases that have already interpreted the 2018 farm bill one was in West Virginia and involved interest rate inter, interstate transfer of, of seeds that were purchased for hemp it was cultivated in one's taken from one state, cultivated in another state, sent to another state for processing, and a judge just dismissed the case and said the 2018 Farm Bill makes it moot. Uh, The the interstate transfer of hemp is legal because it explicitly said so in the Farm Bill. But then you have um, states like Idaho, which were still outlying hemp when this case started, and um, an individual is driving basically 7,000 pounds of hemp plants from Oregon, where it was legally cultivated to colorado to be processed they were stopped en route state trooper thought he just made the largest marijuana bust in state history so that the truck driver gets thrown in jail the product gets seized and the the company that was transporting it challenged it in court right away and tried to get the seizure released and the federal district court said that they would release it if it was farmed in compliance with the 2018 farm bill the only problem is USDA hasn't come out with the regulations yet, so nobody's technically in compliance with the 2018 Farm Bill. Everybody's Mm -hmm. still farming technically under the 2014 uh, Research Farm Bill that came out. So that that basically made it impossible, so they challenged it. Now it's in front of the Ninth Circuit, and so that's going to help interpret the provisions a little bit as well.
1: Interesting. Cool. Um, All right. well, I think we're kind of running out of time. Is there anything else that you think is killer important for people in the space to know about?
2: I think I think one thing I just wanted to talk about, because I know some investors listen to the podcast, just to some general tips for investors looking at the space mm-hmm. is to kind of weigh the risks of enforcement, like we talked about, and also the chances that things don't go forward the way optimists like me see them going in terms of letting the the market drive this and going forward so to make sure that people recognize their regulatory risk before they are putting money behind certain companies and then if people are deciding to jump into the space to make sure that they keep tabs on companies and make sure that they they don't get too out of control with their health claims and start gathering attention from federal authorities because it's we're definitely in a lot of people say it's a gray area but it's very much black and white right now that the the FDA does not see a lot of these products to be legal and so a lot of people are willfully starting illegal products in both the human and animal food space Mm. and so a lot of those companies are basically you know they're they're making a bet that the regulations are going to come down in favor of the industry and um, people just need to be careful as they get into it
1: sure that's great piece of advice okay so I think we'll close it there Thank you so much. Um, if people wanted to like get in touch with you, um, are looking for guidance, what's the best way to do
2: that? Best way to do that j- just Google me, Cameron Field at Michael Best & Friedrich. Um, my email, cell phone, and um, everything is listed on the page for the firm right there. That's. Intense. I'm also on LinkedIn <laughs> and everything. Okay,
1: cool. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us thank and you. telling us about hemp and CBD. I hope. Uh, All our listeners are now feeling a little bit more confident about what's what. I know I feel better. I feel like I get it now. Um, Cool. So thanks so much for listening, everybody. Remember, write reviews and ratings. Um, I do like to read them. They're fun for me. And um, also, it helps make our content more visible to other people. So it pops it up a little bit higher. So other people can find the stuff that you think is interesting. So um, do that, and then tune in next time. See you next time.
0: Now for the disclaimers. Please do not take any information from the Canopy Boulder podcast or its guests as investment advice. Be sure to contact your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. So thank you for listening and please join us for another Canopy Boulder podcast episode coming to you soon.